Hi, this is Allison Sheridan of the NoSilicast podcast, hosted at podfeet.com, a technology geek podcast with an ever so slight Apple bias. Today is Sunday, March 22nd, 2020, and this is show number 776. Well, according to the state of California, podcasting is an essential service, so we will continue to bring you the NoSilicast without interruption. I do have to say it's been a little bit hard to concentrate because of certain things going on. And uh, also, I do want to remind you that Lindsay's baby is due any minute now. Well, not any minute now. We're probably about a week and a half away. But uh, there may be some interruption or slight shifting of the show, depending on when things happen. Can't promise anything except that the show will come out. Chit Chat Across the Pond this week was Barbu Schatz back with Programming by Stealth 92 of X, in which he walks us through his solution to the assignment from way back in PBS 89, and that was to create a grid of currency conversions. I've had a blast doing my own solution. I keep playing with it. I can't stop improving it, but it was, it was really fun to see how he approached the problem. I believe his solution is much more elegant than mine, and of course his code is cleaner. But you know what? There's a few places I think I did some cooler things than he did. So I'm very happy with all how all of this turned out, and he's been giving me gold and silver and bronze and titanium and platinum stars all throughout it. And of course, I have to keep thanking Dorothy for hand-holding me much of the time. Anyway, in this episode of Programming by Stealth, he doesn't go through his code line by line because that would be really boring, but instead he gives us the big picture of his process to that he followed. Most of the time he spent on the solution was actually in refactoring his code because he decided to preload the data rather than fetching it repeatedly on on demand, which is the way I was doing it, was uh, was preloading the data. Anyway, I loved it in his in this talk when he refers to his original work as organically grown Weasley kind of code. If you're a Harry Potter fan, you will understand that reference. Anyway, he also explains how he used both coercion and assertion to do his error handling and why he did it that way. Eventually, he got to start or he started working on the grid and he walks us through how he cracked the code on that. It was great fun as always and we have a new 6-week challenge to build a world clock. You can find Programming by Stealth in your podcatcher of choice, as always, or you can listen live, not live, you can listen recorded over at podfeet.com. Well, that gravy train of the CES interviews is coming close to an end. We have uh, four great interviews this week and then four more next week. And then after that, I'm going to have to actually work for a living. So uh, let's kick in with the first of our CES interviews. Steve Walters of uh, Facetto has something that I'm pretty sure is witchcraft that he's going to show us. <laughs> Tell us what you got going here, Steve. You got it. So our the, pres- uh, the product that we're showing off right now is called Forum. So it allows you to wirelessly share your presentation to every single device in the room. Doesn't matter if it's a cell phone, tablet, smart TV. Doesn't matter what it is. It's all able to do all that without the internet. Okay, like I said, witchcraft. Right. Exactly. No. So how it actually works is it's going to use the Wi-Fi chip inside of your laptop to spin up a Wi-Fi. When I say that, I don't mean the internet. You mean a Wi-Fi hotspot? Correct. Okay. To be able to spin that up, be able to communicate with every single device, and all they need is a browser to be able to view your presentation. Now I'm going to view your presentation, so every person in your audience is able to have a virtual front row seat, but they're also able to interact with you. How many presentations we've been to, maybe got 200 people in the audience, and only four people get to ask a question? Right, right. Now every single person, the entire audience, is able to ask questions, answer polling questions. I assume they have to type them. Yes, they, they would have to do that. And I like that. I like it when people can't actually talk to me. <laughs> right, there you go. And then you can answer them on your own time. You don't have to 
they're not popping up in real time, like up on the screen or something like that. You get to just go ahead and answer them in your own time. Take your, and not only are you able to answer them, but just as you're able to shoot out to multiple different audience members, you can also shoot out to multiple different presenting devices. So you could have an assistant off stage fielding questions and helping answer back. Or what I love to do is I shoot it up to my phone. I use my phone as my clicker to click through the slides. I can see my notes on my phone. I can do everything all from my phone, all through the app. That is crazy. So have you got a uh, demo here for us that's sure. going to fail because the inter because uh, networking interference is what this is all about? It is pretty thick in here with, with all the different Wi-Fis. At the same time, I'm pretty confident we'll be just fine. So here all we right. go. He's talking big story here. Let's see. <laughs> so right now we're using uh, two different tablets to, as our audience members, and we're just running it off of a laptop here. Okay, so, so the laptops is running Windows. Are these and these are iPads? Yes. And okay, so we're cross-platform here, just to test it. Right. Okay. It is. It's uh, platform agnostic. It doesn't matter if you're trying to talk to an Android. Whoever's got a browser, huh? Yeah, a smart TV does it, anything that has a browser and a Wi-Fi connection can view your presentation. All right. Let's see this. So not only are you able to show your presentation every single device in the room, and they can interact with you, but you can also straight up screen share whatever's on your screen. So I'll show you how to do that real quick. We're just gonna click over here to this portion of the app, say go live, and now whatever's on your screen, at any time, whether it be a video, it's taking so long here. Wake up, guys. There we go. So I'm gonna just show you. Okay, so he's showing his uh, desktop on the uh, Samsung uh, desktop, and then the, both iPads are now showing full screen share. Right, okay. so it's just, I'm just trying to show you that, it's literally trying to show whatever is on your screen at any time. It's taking a while. I'm kind of surprised. It's, it's getting it done. It, I, it, it is, is. It is the most challenging I, environment. I, I want it to be slick and fast. And I, I apologize. For, it must just be how many different Wi-Fi's we have trying to fight us at the same time. But nonetheless, it is literally showing it's whatever's on your screen yeah. at one time. So explain more about. So when you uh, start up the app, you bet. The, you're, you've got. You've started this up, and then how do they know what Wi-Fi? Or you just sure. holler out what Wi-Fi signal looks no. for? So what? Well, there's two different ways you can do it. Let's say you had a screen behind you, you could just shoot it up to that screen wirelessly. Because this is a 100% wireless app. A lot of the stuff that people say is wireless, they need an HDMI cable to get to the TV, and then they're wirelessly communicating in some other way. It's like you needed cables to get to that TV. But anyways, um, so what you're going to want to do, so like for, for instance here, we try to make it as simple as possible. We named the Wi-Fi form demo. Yeah, you can connect to it so right I'm now. So I'm picking up my phone right now. You we're bet. gonna we're gonna test and see how good Steve Total, is. Yeah. All right, I'm going into Wi-Fi. Well, you can open up whatever browser you want. Again, it's across all platforms. Whether oh, it be but devices. Now I, oh, now I go to a website too. Well, right, not a website, but a a, right, a URL. That's okay, how so this is forum demo slash. Okay. Right. That's how they're actually viewing your presentation. Okay. Through the browser. Okay. So all I did just now was just connect to the uh, to the network. Okay, correct. That's you. how you're actually making the connection. All right. So you connect and then you view. So here we okay. go. Okay. So now he's putting in the URL. Form demo forward slash. So this is what I was trying to do right. the first time that I was okay. kept messing up over and over again. All right. And here it comes. And then once it loads up. It says it's not connected to the internet, but that's okay. That is fine. That's the whole entire point of this. It doesn't matter if you're it's on a yacht in the middle of the ocean. You should be able to share your presentation. All Anyways, right. Vamp a little more. Okay, let's that talk. That's literally how you do it, is you just connect to the Wi-Fi, go to the browser, one, two step. All right, so how much does this stuff cost? Just $10 a month. 
10 bucks a month? Ten Are you kidding me? It starts out at $10 a month. So if you're going to do up to 10 audience members, it's just $10 a month. It goes up from there. So let's say I, it goes in like chunks. I think the first one's like uh, up to 10, then it goes up to 30, and then up to like 100 after that or something. Wow. And you can, that is really affordable. Uh, yeah. For, I mean, because that's a business expense. Yes. Except for you on your yacht, just annoying your friends. But uh, right. all right. Simple as that. You can watch videos on it, download it right there. It's only $10 a month, so it's an easy try. And now every single person in your audience will be able to view your presentation, download your content, ask you questions, do all the different stuff. They don't need to download anything. All they need is a browser. Oh my gosh, it, it's up. Hey, it's it up. We made everybody. it. We made it. Look. Right. All right. What's going on here? All right. <laughs> well, I think we got the idea. So, how this works is this allows you, this is how you actually interact. So you got your download tab here, so you can download the content. Oh, okay. You can ask your questions. You can send them your contact information. So let's say you're doing a presentation like on the fly, like at an airport, if you got your business cards or whatever. A lot of the point, a lot of the time when you're trying to do a presentation, the whole entire point of it is you want the contact information of all those people out there in your presentation. Because you're going out there trying to- As if they're there enough to care. Like yeah. yeah. So now they don't have to run around afterwards trying to gather business cards. They can all just send you their contact information right through the app. Nice, nice. And then also you can view like the polls and all the different stuff all right from the app. One more thing? One, so yeah, 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 P.S., one, one more thing, is we're very proud that we won this year's CES Innovation Award. Oh, wow. Yes. Very good. They have not come yet, they have not come by yet with our trophy, and I'm kind of disappointed that we're, right. we need to find it. Is it yeah. here? I'm standing in front oh, of it. Standing in front I'm of, standing okay. in front of it. All right, come on, do your Vanna White now, come on, here we've we been go. here this long together. Yes, yes. <laughs> wow, look at that. Yeah, Woo. yeah, we're very proud of it. Well, I can see why. This is very cool. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Well, I really liked that Facetto Forum in-person uh, solution. That is a really, really cool effect. When we're allowed to be back in person again, I think this is going to be a fantastic uh, tool. It was, um, it was really kind of magical. I'm with Patrick Cummings of Neofect, and I'm standing on a platform with a big TV in front of me, and he's going to tell me why I'm here. What is the, what is the product we're looking for? Adam, what is it for? So this is a tool that gamifies uh, lower extremity rehabilitation. So the idea is when you need to rehabilitate your leg after something like a stroke, you're going to need to do repetitions, and this is making those repetitions more fun, more engaging, uh, and overall more productive. Okay, so it looks like I'm, uh, I'm just standing on a flat platform and I've got something on my chest here with a, a big white thing on my back and i got a TV screen here, so what am I going to do? These are sensors, they're tracking your movements. Uh, this is similar, this is sort of uh, we mixed with Dance Dance Revolution, right? So, um, let's, we can, you're basically that Maybe you should airplane. hold the mic. Sure, sure. So you're, you're going to be the airplane and so you'll see that your movements and if you like lean back a little bit and you move side to side, you're going to try to avoid these. Uh, okay. What am I, tell, tell the audience what I'm avoiding here. So you're avoiding these, um, these, these missiles, if you will. Um, they're going to start to become more abundant here. But the idea is to use your, your movement and, and balance and shift your weight in order to avoid that. Again, this, it, it's not all that hard for me or you, but for somebody that's rehabbing from a stroke. And right. um, this, is, this is challenging and, and this is part of therapy. Oh, it didn't. It didn't blow up when I blew it, though. Uh, that's good. You you dodged it. Dodged a bullet. Will it uh, Will it blow up if I if I mess up? It will. Okay, I'm gonna go right at it. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. I want to make sure it, it it's bad. Uh oh. Oh, oh no. <laughs> that's interesting. 
So, uh, will this be in uh, will this be in hospitals and things, or in homes, or what are you picturing? In in hospitals to begin with, hospitals, clinics. Um, the idea is for all of our products to end up in people's homes, right? We want to kind of fill the gaps in care. We want to build a bridge between the clinic and the home and give people uh, more options for therapy, more engaging therapy, um, and better access to therapy. So, uh, it's going to start in the clinic and the hospital. Um, don't really have a, a set release date yet, but oh yeah. <laughs> I just died big time. You didn't tell me giant aircraft were going to come flying at me. That was not fair. But uh, yeah, this, so this is this is kind of our, our main um, product that we're revealing at CES for this year. Very cool. And you've got a glove over here that I've been uh, watching people holding on to, or a guy's got it on his hands here. What is that? Uh, this is our smart glove. It's our flagship device. It's It's been in existence since around 2010. Um, and it's the same concept, gamifying the rehabilitation process, making the repetitions more fun, um, except this is for fine motor recovery as opposed to, to leg recovery. Wow, that's pretty cool. So is that in hospitals or in homes or how is that? Both. Yeah, so we have a line. The software is, is different between the home and the clinic, but the, it is equipped to be used in the clinic driven by a therapist or in the home driven by the patient themselves. That's fantastic. Okay, uh, so the name of the company is Neofect? Neofect. And your website is at? Neofect.com. N-E-O-F-E-C-T.com. Thank you very much. My pleasure. I love stuff like this. Just making it more interesting to do rehab has got to be a good thing. I really think you should go watch this video, uh, even if you've heard the audio, because you'll see how badly I played the game. After I finished watching it, or after I finished doing it, doing the interview, I looked back and realized that I was basically just slamming myself up to the front of the screen the whole time, and there was a lot more subtlety to that. I suppose if I'd had uh, somebody actually helping me with rehab, they would have said, hey, you're really bad at this game. But anyway, it's kind of fun to watch and make fun of me. Steve likes to have videos where I get to do things that make me look silly, and I think he might have achieved his goal here. I've talked a lot about what it's like to drive a Tesla, and I've definitely spent a fair bit of time telling you about things that I think could be improved. In fact, a lot of people seem to think that I don't like this car. I love this car, so I thought it was time to focus on some of the unexpected delights of the technology in the Tesla Model 3. One of the most important things when driving any kind of vehicle is situational awareness of your environment. I loved my two Acura TLs, but they both had visibility problems. The A-pillar, which is the metal beam that comes down on either side of the front window, seemed to be at the perfect angle and location such that when you turned right, it would completely obscure anyone stepping out into the crosswalk. Because of this blind spot, I was actually rear-ended in my first Acura when the car was only a few months old. I started a right turn and Steve yelled, stop. I didn't know why, but I followed his suggestion. And a split second later, a pedestrian came out of that blind spot. Sadly, the person behind me didn't expect me to go and then stop so suddenly. I was rather proud of my reaction to this. My brand new car was damaged, but I just kept repeating, the pedestrian didn't die. In stark contrast, the first time I drove the Tesla Model 3, I was truly surprised at how huge the front window is. It's deep, it's broad, and it has the most unobstructed view of any car I've ever driven. Pedestrians are much safer, safer with this fabulous level of visibility. 
Now, the rearview mirror is really small. The back window is actually pretty normal, but the rearview mirror is small, and so you kind of have to wiggle your head around to see out of the whole back. That seems like a really easy thing to fix. But I do have to say, the disadvantage of not being able to see in the rearview mirror is far outweighed by the positively huge 15-inch screen that displays the backup widescreen camera view. I learned during my earliest driving instruction to always twist at the waist and look as far around behind me as possible when backing up. But you know what? More often than I would have liked, there was still something coming that I didn't see. With the incredible backup view in the Model 3, I know that I can see a much wider view than twisting to look. I have not yet been surprised when I started to back up like I often was in my Acura. But that's not the only advantage of the giant screen when it comes to situational awareness. When you're driving forward, the right side of the screen is the map, and the left side of the screen shows things like your speed, the speed limit at your current location, which is awesome, but it also has an animated view of your car. This view of the car shows you any vehicles around you. Cars look different from trucks, and motorcycles and bicycles are both unmistakable. I remember one time I was dropping someone off at the airport, probably Dr. Gary, and I was about to move to the right lane when I saw a bicycle in what was definitely my blind spot, but it was on this animated screen. I didn't believe there was anything there, but sure enough, a bicyclist rolled right past me in the next second. I definitely don't count 100% on this top-down view, but it's really been, been really great to have yet another piece of data, along with the rear-view mirror and the side-view mirrors and the backup camera and all that, to help me navigate the road without endangering myself or others. When I first got the car, that top-down view worked great when we were moving, but it was sort of a disaster when the car was sitting still. The algorithm seemed to have trouble knowing what a car was doing when it was not moving. So the animation would show the cars and trucks dancing and spinning around while I waited for a traffic light. Sometimes they'd even dance over on top of each other, too. Even the pedestrians would dance. It was rather entertaining, but not really what you would hope for it to look like. I put a little video of it in the, uh, in the show notes, by the way, a short video that you might find entertaining. But, uh, you know, a big surprise of owning a Tesla is how quickly they're advancing the operating system. I've chosen to be on the fast track for OS updates, and after one recent update, the dancing cars stopped dancing. While we were sad to see the dancing stop, they did also add many enhanced capabilities to the animated view. The Tesla can now recognize stoplights and stop signs, which is a precursor to their eventual full self-driving capability. There is a massive warning explaining that this is only the graphics, that the car will not stop for lights or signs, so don't think that's going to work. It's amazing how accurate it is, though. Many Los Angeles intersections can have as many as eight traffic lights that are pointed right at you, and I'm not even counting the cross-traffic lights, and so far the Tesla seems to find them all. The only time I saw what I would call a failure of the stop sign recognition was when I drove past an auto repair shop that had a giant 20-foot stop sign on top of the building, and the car picked that up as a stop sign. It really needs to make sure it's not looking up so high. On streets, you can see painted arrows for left and right turns along with straight-through arrows when available. The screen will even show trash cans. We have those giant rolling ones issued by the city, and it's pretty darn good at recognizing them. It's also able to recognize orange traffic cones. Now, while every real cone that I've seen has been recognized as such, many times the screen displays a cone when there isn't actually one there. 
an overly large orange spot on a vehicle, or sometimes even the reflection of a turn signal in a wet street can trigger an orange cone blinking on and off on my screen. They definitely have a little bit of work to do there. Every car I've owned in the past 20 years has claimed to have audio commands, but Acura's recognition of voice commands, I mean, it made Siri look like Lieutenant Uhura in language skills in comparison. In a recent software update, Tesla added a plethora of voice commands to the car. I would say it is better than my previous cars, and it's definitely done with a sense of humor. For example, if you want to turn on the seat heater for the passenger, you can say, eject passenger seat. I really like that one. You can simply say, I'm cold or I'm hot, and it will change the temperature by three degrees. Most of the time, it even moves the temperature in the right direction, but definitely not all the time. Sometimes it gets it backwards. If you ask it to increase or decrease the temperature by one degree, it usually does it correctly. But again, not all the time. It seems like that three-degree swing much better. Listener Jack Ellis sent me a giant spreadsheet of the commands because he has a Model 3 too, and we've had a bunch of fun testing the audio command options together. Now, I know a lot of cars can read text messages out loud now, and the Model 3 just got that capability in another recent software update. It works really well and allows me to respond by the click of the rolly wheel on the steering wheel. Again, this is not a huge innovation, but it's an example of how great it is to have a car that actually gets software updates like this. I think I spoke early on about how different the actual driving experience is of uh, compared to all my previous cars. With the Tesla and I assume all electric vehicles, you kind of feather the accelerator to speed up and slow down because as you release the accelerator, the car turns the momentum into regenerative braking. That not only slows the car down, but it adds some energy back into the battery. I remember when Steve, Pat Dengler, and I were test driving the Jaguar I-Pace EV, and the Jaguar rep was showing us how the battery percentage was going up as we went downhill. Pat made a joke about how maybe we could get back to their location with more energy in the battery than when we started. I understood she was kidding, but the rep didn't understand this was a joke and said that maybe we could. I had to patiently explain conservation of energy and why that wasn't possible. Pat turned to me and said, I see it's magic and I want to believe in it. Now, Pat, don't we all? Well, as Steve and I have been driving the Model 3, we realized that this feathering of the accelerator to slow down the car actually makes driving it somewhat safer than driving an internal combustion engine vehicle. Let's say you're hurtling down the road and for some reason you need to stop suddenly. The instant you take your foot off the accelerator in the Tesla, the car will start to slow down immediately and will be going significantly slower by the time your foot gets over to the brake. But in an ICE vehicle, internal combustion engine, when you start to move your foot from the accelerator to the brake, the car continues to hurdle at nearly full speed. It doesn't take very long to move your foot to the brake, but you know that split second could be the difference between life and death. In a recent software update, Tesla improved a feature they call simply hold. With hold before the update, when you came to a full stop with the brakes, you could let go of the brake and the car would not roll. It makes waiting at a light much more relaxing because you don't have to keep your foot on the brake pedal. There's an option to disable hold, but I can't think why you would want to roll. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to me, but they make it an option. Anyway, with this recent update, Tesla enhanced the hold feature and now, when you take your foot off the accelerator, the car not only slows down very rapidly, it will actually come to a complete stop. Now, at first, this was very disconcerting because the deceleration was so dramatic. But after the first drive, both Steve and I found that we really loved it. 
With the hold feature, if you feather it correctly, you can actually do most of your driving without ever using the brakes at all. I'm not exaggerating. I can even drive into my garage and come to a complete stop without the brakes. It's absolutely amazing. So not only are we saving wear and tear on the brakes, we're actually regenerating that energy back into the battery. The bottom line is that there are a lot of unexpected surprises about this car. From the giant front window and amazing widescreen backup camera to the constant software updates, this car continues to amaze. I just love it when my car says, hey, I've got a software update. Want it now or shall I do it at 2 a.m.? Well, you guys know that I have a lot of Ring devices in my house. We've got the Ring alarm system. We've got a whole bunch of Ring cameras. We've got the Ring doorbell. But I'm here with Nicholas Morford to find out what else I need to buy from Ring. How are you doing today? Doing great. Doing great. How about yourself? All right. We're having fun. Tired already. Hey. All right. So you guys are branching out into lighting. Yes, absolutely. So we actually do have a lineup of our Ring smart lighting. This year, though, we've rolled out a few new devices. We have some solar lighting as well as some smart LED light bulbs as well. So just expanding out that range of lights that we got. And that's starting to add more to the ring of security, yes, right? There. Use the marketing term. Come on. Yes. Hey, that ring of security, building that out as well. So yeah, one thing that's really, really great about these is that you can actually link them to your other ring devices, like your doorbells or cameras. So let's say someone comes up, you know, one of the devices goes off, you can have your camera start recording automatically. Then just imagine your lights go lighting up that pathway. So let's say someone's trying to do harm or anything like that. Boom, all these lights go up as soon as they step onto your driveway going to scare them off immediately. And then you can also get that alert way before it gets into that motion detection range of the product itself. I see. I see. So uh, describe what we've got here. So what we've got here is we've got our lineup. So we've got smart light. We've got a floodlight wired here. Um, so for anyone who wants to replace that existing light fixture, you have that option. We have a battery version. And then the newest one is the solar version of it as well. So just with the solar panel, this one does come with a rechargeable battery as well. So you can charge up that battery, put it in, and then once you hook up the solar itself, it'll just retain that energy. Keep so this that is like up. the floodlight cam, but doesn't have a camera. It doesn't have a camera in it. They're this motion activated. Pure just pure lighting is what we're going for okay. here. Okay. Exactly. All right. And I like these tall, posty looking things. What are those? So this is our existing pathway light, and then this is our new solar pathway light. The solar, um, solar screens are right up here on top of it right there. Also does come with that rechargeable battery itself. And then how does that, that's a pole that, does that stick in the ground so it somehow? Comes the, it does have a little stake that shoves into the ground. Okay, so, so uh, what makes that not fall over like every other solar light I ever see on somebody's driveway? Well, I mean, the stake is pretty far into the ground. I believe we do have some... Um, that comes with it to keep it secure into the ground itself. So okay. a few additional things. We always provide all the tools you need with all of our products. So we make sure we include everything you need to make sure that's going to set up properly. Okay. So the smart lighting path light would light up. It would get motion sensing. It's got motion yep, sensing. It's solar right powered. Yep. It picks up somebody walking down the hall. And then you, uh, how is that talking to the, to the internet or talking to the other devices? So great question. So the way that works is actually this device right here. So the ring bridge. So what you do is you hook this up to your home Wi-Fi. And then that sends out a thousand foot radius. We're using proprietary um, signal that we're using that allows all these devices to connect to the bridge and then in turn connect and link to your other devices within the Ring app itself. So I like this. So when I change my network again, I move that Ring uh, smart lighting bridge yes. and all my lighting goes with it. I don't yes. have to do every device one by one. Yeah. Oh, somebody somebody yeah. triggered the sensor. All the lights just went on. Scared us. Sorry about that. <laughs> okay, so we get the yes. smart lighting bridge. We put that inside the house, connect it up to the to the Wi-Fi. Yes. And then that's going to You start adding the lights. Yep. So then you can do like a front yard if you want to. You can do a backyard, side yard. And then you can start to create also routines. So if you have oh, like... so you're oh, creating areas. Yeah, you're creating areas, grouping them together as well. So you can okay. have that activate. So let's say I have a floodlight in the backyard. I only want these lights to activate whenever that floodlight detects motion. Or if they pick up any motion 
and that's when I want that floodlight to oh, turn on. it goes on. both ways. It can go both ways. So yes. not just that you triggered the light and that triggers the camera. If it triggers the camera, it'll also trigger the yeah, light. Yeah, so it's our link devices, which actually allows you to link things. So I currently have at my home, I just have a traditional floodlight cam, and then I have a uh, stick-up cam as well. So floodlight detects motion, that stick-up cam turns on automatically, so I get two different views of the incident that it picked up, essentially. Now, so you're getting better video, too, exactly. because you've added light to that, right? Yes, absolutely. Plus, they're lights. They're lights as well. So Light, light, light is nice when you walk out nice. at night. Absolutely. So the fact that just imagine just stepping right outside, everything lights up, you know, you're not blinded, you know, can't see anything, but now you're able to see with these things. And everything is so they're battery operated and everything is less than $100 as well. So you're not oh, breaking really? the bank on anything at all. The only thing that's right about $100 is our smart lighting transformer right here. And this is for people that have existing um, low voltage light lighting already they just remove their transformer replace it with ours and then it makes all those devices smart smart lights to get them onto the ring app and then connect it to the ring bridge so if you already have uh, pathway lights or low voltage lighting just replace our transformer uh, with that existing one and then those all now become part of the ring app okay all right that sounds good so then i see smart lighting step light yes so this is a little bitty one a little bitty one right here so step light a lot of people tend to use these inside of like you know closets stuff like that as oh. well as on top of step lights and then we have a new solar version that we're coming out with as well for that so we actually have them set up a little bit around the booth as well some of them are on the uh we got them in white and black coming out but yeah so that's one of the new devices that we have coming out so what about uh i already am paying uh the way the uh ring devices work i think you we had it was yeah, so there's it's 30 bucks per device, and then once you hit 100, you're done? It basically, yeah. So the way that that works is so it's... Um, per year, by the way. Per, yes, absolutely. So thank you. Not so, per month. No, 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 not at all. Um, th it'd be $3 per month. But the way that it works, um, so we have that Ring Protect Basic plan. That's basically for any device, usually a doorbell or a camera that you want to have the videos recorded. It's a totally, totally optional to sign up for it. But if you want to, that's $3 a month or 30 for the year to save your videos for 60 days, delete and download at any time. But when you get into that range of having four or more devices, it makes sense to go with the Ring Protect Plus plan, which just taps out at $10 a month or $100 for the year. And so, that also covers the alarm system. As, as well. Which so nobody believed me that I got. So I basically got the alarm system for 10 bucks a year because exactly. I was already at 90 so it's like I was making money right there. Exactly. And so that's a really, really big selling point of that plan itself. So it covers all your devices at that address. So you can have as many doorbells or cameras, keep adding them on. You're not going to pay any incremental cost. And it also includes that 24-7 professional monitoring, as well as cellular backup on the base station of the alarm as well. Come yes, and we like that part. So now, let's say somebody doesn't already have all of these devices like I do. Yes. They, they pick up one camera. They want to do the 30 bucks a year. Mm -hmm. Now they want to add some lighting. Do they have to pay for the lighting? So, I mean, they're not going to have to pay, so there's no additional fees on top of just the purchase of the item itself for the lighting. Okay. So they're just going to buy the product itself, but there's not going to be any tie-in to that Protect plan. The Protect plans are really going to be more for the alarm system as well as the recording capabilities. Okay, the so since itself. the lighting doesn't record anything, so, no, it's there's not gonna no be cost a, to no, you, no. so there's no cost to us. Exactly. That is very cool. So if people want to find more out about Ring, where would they go? They would go to ring.com. That's such an amazing URL. I still can't believe Jamie got that. Anyway, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. No, thank you that. so much. Thank you for stopping by. That's good. Well, it was really fun stopping by the Ring booth. And uh, it, one of the things we really enjoy doing at CES is making the people at these booths do tech support for some problems. I don't know if you remember, but when we talked to the uh, Belkin people about the Wemo plugs, I was having a big problem with getting one of them onto HomeKit. And so I made the guy behind the, the one of the people there help me. Steve did the same thing to the ring person. He was complaining about uh, how 
to get both of our ring cameras, our, our ring floodlight cams to come on at the same time because he couldn't get down the alleyway and have them both come on. And the guy gave him a little trick and it worked. So it was totally worth going to CES and doing all these interviews so that we got tech support from them. When you see a booth from a company called Barnacle Systems, this is not, by the way, the uh, the smart lobster trap we saw. This is a completely different business. I'm with Brandon Wright, and you've got something for boats. Yeah, that's right. We've got a security and monitoring product for boats. So it's like a smart home for your boat. So you can monitor the critical systems on board your vessel, get alerts from uh, intruders, from bilge pumps. So being able to monitor whether your boat's safe and secure remotely from so your smartphone. The bilge pumps kick, kicks off. By the way, for those who don't know what a bilge pump is, the bilge is the area under down below where the water goes when things are not going well. I mean, yeah. you might get a little bit of water in your bilge. Yeah. You got a little bilge pump for that. You don't want a lot of water That's in the bilge. Right. Yeah, so we actually saved our first boat from sinking with our product where they were getting frequent bilge alerts, where they were pumping a lot of water off the boat. They lived four hours away from their vessel, so they called the marina, and then the marina folks went on board and confirmed, like, yes, your boat's trying to sink itself. And they managed to patch it up on the spot and uh, save the $250,000 beautiful sailboat. So. Oh, yeah. If it were a powerboat, I wouldn't have really minded, but it's a sailboat. You yeah, know, yeah. That's just, that's just I can't discriminate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> All right. So uh, I see several different products here. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Why don't, you, why don't you tell us yeah, about this? So this is the barnacle here. So this is what you'd place on your boat. And uh, it connects to these wireless sensors. And so, I'm going to describe this too because this is audio as well as video. But yeah. we've got a, a thing, maybe about uh, what do you say? That maybe four or five inches tall, yep. couple right. of three inches wide, yeah, three and a half just inches a wide. flat, flat yeah. plate. So you put that on the boat. Yep, that's correct. And uh, the industrial design of it, it has small facets on it, and those were actually designed by a Dyson engineer. So one oh, of their industrial nice. designers. So that nice. was really cool. Does it matter where that goes on the boat? Just fling it into a bunk? Typically, you'd place it uh, behind your helm. And that's okay. where you have all your existing connections. So an installation normally takes about two hours. And you're just stealing the small connections off the inside of your helm. So oh, okay. you're not wiring all the way through your boat. Because boats are quite complicated, right. typically, inherently. But now, with our wireless sensors, so we've got a suite of sensors here where we now integrate with the smart home products. So we've just launched uh, with smart things, the Samsung products. Oh, nice. Yeah, so you can now integrate your Samsung smart things into, your, into the boat. So now instead of spending two hours on an install with wires, you can do one basic install in about 15 minutes by throwing these wireless sensors throughout your boat. Nice. So I see a, wa a water leak sensor, a multi-purpose sensor, and a motion sensor. Yeah. So the motion sensor is looking for the boats moving, and there's no big storm coming in. That's yep. probably somebody walking around. And that's yeah. That's primarily for security, for sure. So detecting presence of people on board. The multi-purpose sensor is an accelerometer and a door sensor, all built into one. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then uh, the water leak sensor detects uh, water where it's not supposed to be. So areas, things like that. Right, right. The bunks. You yeah, don't want water. Right. I hate when that happens. Absolutely, absolutely. And you've also got a key fob here and a key yep. pad, and they've yep. got a bunch of fun buttons on them. What are those for? That's right. So uh, a lot of folks, they'll have other visitors to their boat. So uh, it's very common that you'd find a marine electrician coming on board or a yacht monitoring provider come on board. So being able to disarm the system when you get onto the boat is critical. Let's just, uh, I mean, I hate to suggest, but the guy that, or woman that comes to scrape the barnacle 
rolls off the bottom. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. See how, see how yeah, it just yeah. brought it all together It's beautiful. There? Yeah, absolutely. So you would want them to be able to put in a code to, to yep. disable, disable the sensors it. and yeah. then re-enable it? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, and then yeah. what's the key fob for? Yep, so that's, uh, you'd have that to just simply disarm the boat when you get to the vessel. So instead oh, okay. of having a siren go off when you get on board, uh, something like that, you can arm and disarm the entire security system on your boat. So is it is there an app to, to yeah. go along with this? Absolutely. Yeah, we can describe it to you as well. to the camera here? Yeah. So this is actually my boat floating in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. And so we're monitoring my batteries, my bilge pump, pitch heel and impact, which that's from an accelerometer telling me what the waves are doing from the boat. Oh, so wow. There, yeah, so if there's a storm, you can actually get a notification that your boat's healing or pitching too much. But what's critical here is the GPS. So you can put an anchor alert around your boat and get a notification if your boat floats outside of that geofence. Which also, could be theft or could be a dragging anchor. Absolutely. So uh, the whole product was built after my boat floated from that position there to that position there on the beach three years ago. And my background... I hate when that happens. Yeah, it was... 3 a.m. It was like a the, bad day. Yeah, it was that dark and stormy night. Got the phone call from my parents that your boat's on the beach. In my background, I developed security systems for royal families in the Middle East and for the borders of countries. And so it was very embarrassing for me to get a notification from my folks that my boat had broken moorage when my whole career was protecting assets. So, yeah, built the product in response to that. So how is it getting the, uh, the voltage on the battery? So we tie that directly in behind the helm to that's the battery. A, that's a 15 minute install part. That's, yeah, oh absolutely, yeah, super quick. Yep, two wires, you're done, yeah. This is very cool, so um, is this product available now? It is, yeah, we've had it out for about three years. The integration with the wireless sensors is brand new as of today. Um, and hot yeah, off the presses, do you hear that yeah, people? Yeah, hot off the press, that's right. And uh, yeah, the and this year we actually caught our first burglar on a boat in France, and then we protected uh, that one sailboat from sinking, so. Yeah, it's been a very exciting year with actually great user experience cases. So, so where would somebody go to find uh, find these devices? Yeah, so online, primarily at barnacle.io. That's B-R-N-K-L.io. Nice. And then, uh, yeah, absolutely. Everything good is at .io, by the way. There's yeah. always cool stuff at that's .io. That's right. That's right. It's .Indian Ocean, so it's very appropriate for us. Oh, that's where it comes from. Yeah. Very nice, very nice. Yeah. And uh, what kind of price point are we talking about? This is like $12,000? No, no. So uh, the base unit uh, here is $1,250, but we do offer a $299 solution that's for just on your boat without remote monitoring. Okay, yeah. very good. And uh, so we know where it's from and uh, it's available today. That's Thank right. you very much. This is yeah. great. This yeah. is great. I like the idea of saving boats. Thank you. My pleasure. Well, I really love talking to Brandon, you know, his enthusiasm for the product, definitely coming from the fact that he was scratching his own itch, that this kind of product doesn't seem to exist. And, you know, once you hear about it, it seems obvious. Why wouldn't you need a smart boat? Especially when he brought up like uh, having alerts from the bilges. That's essentially like having an alert for leaks in your water heater and uh, that kind of thing exists for houses. Why not boats? I really, really enjoyed it. And I loved his enthusiasm. Like I said, now all I need is, is a boat. I had a realization the other day. With social distancing in effect, it's likely that I'm not going to be able to get my hair cut for months. Now, clearly, I realize this is a very, very small thing in the big picture. But, you know, it did kind of give me pause. Normal people change things in their lives all the time. But for someone who cooked the same meal schedule for nearly 30 years, you know, change is hard for me. 
I've had the same hairstyle since, I don't know, probably the mid-1990s, and I have never gone for more than six weeks without a haircut for pretty much as far back as I can remember. I, I don't even know what I'd look like with long hair. And then I thought about that growing out period, which is sure to be horrifying to look at. Now, Steve graciously offered to cut my hair, but I'm pretty sure that would bring our 37-year marriage to a very quick end. I would trust him with my life, but not with a pair of scissors. Then I realized that since I'm pretty much stuck in my house, nobody has to see what I look like. Then I realized, what about the live show on Sunday nights at 5 p.m. Pacific time at podfeet.com live? I had to find a technical solution to this very silly and vain problem. I posted a question to our Slack group at podfeet.com Slack, and I asked whether anyone might know of a way I could send my Memoji to the live video instead of my real face. I tagged Kaylee in the post because this is just the kind of goofy thing she would know how to do. I do have to say I was not disappointed. Kaylee helped me work through a few ideas. All right, animated Memoji, not the stickers, require a true depth camera in the later model iPhones. Without the depth sensors, a camera doesn't have enough information to move the face around and make expressions like sticking out your tongue. That means I can't do Memoji on my Mac, which is where I pipe all of the video I have, uh, I send to Steve. So I'm going to have to use my iPhone for this. If you plug an iPhone into a Mac and launch QuickTime, you can go to File, New Movie Recording, and then use the downward chevron next to the record button and choose the iPhone as the video source. On the iPhone, you'll be asked to trust the computer and ask your and enter your iPhone's password or passcode. The screen of the iPhone will now show up on your Mac inside QuickTime. Now, to invoke Memoji under normal circumstances, and this is the part I need Kaylee's part with, so it, normally you open up messages and you start a message to someone and you tap on the little monkey face in the horizontal app list. This will, re will reveal all of the Animoji, and if you've created any, your Memoji that represents how you like to look. At this point, your only option appears to be to record a 10-second clip. But we don't want 10 seconds. We want a continuous video. Kaylee pointed out that if you tap on the circle with the three dots in it, you get a bigger view that shows you floating Memoji head on the screen. You can jabber away with the animated view with no time limit at all. So that's good, but the floating head isn't quite what I wanted. I had a vision of that Memoji head sitting on my real body with my real studio background. Kaylee was right there with the answer. Here's the trick. Instead of choosing the Memoji to send as a message, you first start a message to someone and you tap on the camera icon instead. In the bottom left, you'll see a little swirly star. The camera will automatically flip to the front-facing camera and you'll see a bunch of effects you can apply to your image. One of these is, again, Animoji and Memoji. Now my lovely Memoji with perfect hair that will stay perfect no matter how long I'm stuck in the house is attached to my body and you can see the background of my studio. I realized I can even add some other effects like a nice little star or maybe a heart in the corner of my video. All right, now if you add this trick together to the QuickTime trick, now I've got my animated Memoji available as a video source on my Mac. Next, I had to figure out how to get the QuickTime video as a source into Mimo Live, the, source, the software from Boinks that Steve uses to produce the live video show. We use a web-based tool called Mimo Call, also made by Boinks, to capture video from my camera for my regular face. Mimo Call can also capture video from an application, so we tried adding QuickTime to Mimo Call. 
Unfortunately, it looks like Mimo Call wasn't able to send the video frame rate, uh, I think, because the video was really jerky. We just tested this this afternoon, by the way. So it's a miracle the show started on time. But uh, so I haven't had a chance to talk to the Boinks folks to find out if there's a solution to this. But anyway, we weren't able to use Mimo Call to send my uh, QuickTime video to the Mimo Live. All right, Kaylee suggested I use a tool called OBS, which I think stands for Open Broadcast Server. It's an open source tool that has some of the same capabilities as Mimo Live. I hadn't played with it in years, so Steve and I fussed about with it for a long time. I don't know, more than an hour probably. We couldn't figure out how to get it to generate what's called an NDI source on the network. If I can make an NDI source, then Steve will see it on the network with Mimo Live because Mimo Live can see NDI sources. I haven't, I, oh, I actually found a third party plugin that was supposed to be able to add NDI to OBS, but I don't know if I installed it correctly. I'm not sure, but in any case, I wasn't able to get it to work. I haven't given up on that yet, uh, but so I may come back to that. Now, we use another tool called NDI Scan Converter, which again makes a video source available showing an application to Steve on our network. We use it to capture Hindenburg, my audio recording application that I use during the live show. Unfortunately, NDI Scan Converter can only capture one application at a time, so I can't have it capture QuickTime and Hindenburg at the same time. We decided, for a scientific experiment, to swap out Hindenburg, and I put my QuickTime video of my Mimoji in NDI Scan Converter, and it worked. Steve and I recorded a very short demo video of our experiment and posted it to YouTube for all of you to enjoy. And yes... This was a completely frivolous waste of about three hours, and I do not regret a minute of it. I'm hoping Kaylee can help me figure out this OBS NDI problem, and we can waste even more time on this and have some good geek fun. Okay, this is really weird, but uh, in the uh, live show chat at podfeed.com slash live on 5, at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Anyway, uh, Kaylee just said that she's not the one who suggested OBS. I wonder if I hallucinated that or somebody else did it and I forgot to give them credit. In any case, I told her whether she suggested it or not, she still has to help me fix it. Hey, everybody, I know times are really, truly tough for people right now, so I am definitely not going to ask you to pledge to Patreon to support the shows. Instead, I'd like to plead with you to discontinue your pledge for now. If you've lost your job or your hours have been cut back or your partner is under financial stress, if any, if any, any way you've been affected by the awfulness of our world right now, do not waste a moment worrying about something as silly as supporting the shows. Seriously, we will be fine. We do not need to have the shows paid for. It's very nice to have the creation of the podcast not cost us money, but we can afford to cover these costs until everyone gets back on their feet. Please take care of yourselves and your families. Well, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Security Bits with Bart Bouchot's uh, Not Too Much Shaken, and I'm not, being, uh, I'm not being sarcastic this time, huh? Nope, nope. Even, even the bad guys seem to be preoccupied with something at the moment. Oh, thank goodness. There's one bright side. So where do we start? We don't nothing nothing big and chewy to talk about, huh? No, no deep dives. Um, so really, we start with feedback because we do actually have a few things to follow up on. A, a sort of a mix of long running stories and also some stuff we literally talked about last time. Um, so okay. the, the first is in the latter category. 
So we talked last time about the shortcoming, shall we say, in iOS security, where the APIs for reading the clipboard work when the app is in the background and don't require any sort of permission. So what the security researchers pointed out was that any app you have installed that's allowed to run in the background because maybe it's a today widget or maybe it's an audio app or maybe you know it uses one of the other APIs for staying in the background, well then it can periodically poll your clipboard and you know exfiltrate that information. And it was all hypothetical, you know. Apps could do. And right, a lot of right. the time, it was just hypothetical. Yeah, but one of the things, one of the sort of principles of security is that if a white hat discovers something, we only know about it then because the white hat has told us. If a black hat discovers it before, we would not hear about it because they wouldn't tell us. So when the good guys find something, you always have to sort of have at the back of your head, what if they weren't first? What if someone else discovered this before, but we're not scrupulous? Oh. So some security researchers decided to analyze ex some existing Mac Store apps to watch their behavior. So this is so they can't obviously see other people's um, source code. But if you run an app through a debugger, you can at least sort of watch the app's actions, even if you can't see how the app was written. And when they did this on some popular apps, what they discovered was, oh, yeah. There are apps that are polling the clipboard constantly, including big name apps like TikTok, The New York Times, ABC, CBS, CNBC, Fox News, Reuters, and The Wall Street Journal. So, holy cow, really? Really? Now, that implies to me that there is some sort of framework, probably an ad framework, that is up to this. Because all of those new sites oh, are they're all monetized. They're not all that clever. <laughs> right, but they're all monetized through ads, which means that they're not writing their own ads. They're using some sort of ad network. So if the advertising guys have figured this out, then it would make sense. It would just be ubiquitous. And they're not known for their scruples, let's be honest. So yeah, okay. I think Apple yeah. are going to have to do something about this in iOS 14. It is 14 this next, isn't it? Yeah, you know, when uh, I, I was listening to the Accidental Tech podcast and they were talking about how um, WWDC is going to be online only this year, mm. and they they referred to the upcoming betas, and I and my first thought was, oh no, 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 don't don't come out with another operating system this year. You have a really good excuse to say we're just going to skip this year and keep fixing thirteen because it still has problems. I just I can't. Oh. By the way, I, I was thinking iOS 13 at the time because my iPad still wakes up upside down sometimes. You know, it's like, come oh, as on. much as me. Oh, that's no, good. no, no. That's a well known bug. And it's, we're on iOS, what, 13, but 10. And well, I'll get it yet. Yeah, 13.4, I think. No, 13.4 is next week. 13.3 right now. Is yours ever sideways? Because mine has, mine likes to be sideways oh, too sometimes. Oh, that's nice. No, no, I don't have as much variety as that. I just have upside down. Uh, you yeah, know. No, I never, like my iPad is never used in portrait mode ever. It is always in landscape. And from time to time, yeah. I will unlock it and it will just all be sideways. Oh, okay. <laughs> yep, that's great. I can yep, read my yep. recipe like this now with a crick neck. Okay. Yep. And uh, and Catalina is still uh, causing my fans, uh, my, my processor to heat up when I do something crazy like run a backup. Oh, Alison, I mean, why would you want to protect your data? Don't be silly. 
Anyway. So yeah, I, w- I was really hoping they just wouldn't. I was hoping they'd go, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, this year uh, it's too hard. <laughs> I can well, the rumor has it they actually have had a big change of internal process because they recognize it was a dumpster fire last year. So I actually have high hopes. We shall see. I guess if they'd fixed most of the big bugs this year, it'd be better. It's easier to fix in a 14 than it is to, to, to wedge stuff into a running OS. I suppose. No, it's definitely easier. It's definitely easier to work on something where basically it's easier to fix the foundations on a new house than to try to retrofit them while you're still living in it. So, <laughs> anyway. open heart surgery while the patient is talking to you. Yeah, exactly. Um, another story we talked about last time is that there was a bug found in a bunch of products by the uh, router manufacturer Zysol, Z Y X E L. And we just said that if you have a Zysol product, it was very important that you make sure it was patched because it had some really nasty vulnerabilities that could be remotely exploited. And remote exploit always should make alarm bells go off because they're the kind of things you can get recruited into a botnet or something. Well, lo and behold, there is now a new botnet doing the rounds powered by Zysol devices. So fix your Zysol stuff if you have any. Yeah. Now, the next thing we have oh, is... can I back you up and give you a little you feedback or uh, follow-up that uh, has to do with problems with routers? Last week, you or two weeks ago, you told us about the problems with um, Netgear devices. Mm. And, and of course, I immediately penned an email to my uh, daughter and son. I've given them both uh, Netgear Orbi systems. Ooh, and nice. uh, and I, I, I penned a little note explaining them what they had to do and give them instructions and everything. And then I, I, I tweeted out, I said, I love that I'm a grandmother who crochets baby blankets and sends emails about how to upgrade your router. That is a lovely combination. If you could crochet the instructions in the screenshots. That's an idea. There's probably something 8-bit I could do, right? Oh, actually, old icons or something would be gorgeous as a crochet pattern. Oh, yeah, like the original uh, uh, Apple glyphs. Yeah. That might be, ooh, there's an idea. There you go. So we have talked many times about the what I will call the gray hat company, Grayshift. Um, they sell devices for hacking into iPhones to law enforcement to then put them on eBay and stuff like that. So it's all a bit iffy, but we shan't go into whether or how we feel about it morally. I take great pleasure in the fact that they have had to increase their prices uh, because basically iOS is too secure. Or as they put it, forensic access to iOS continues to increase in difficulty and complexity. Good. (laughs) Neener. Yeah, it's pretty hard to find a good good story about Grey Hat. That's awesome, though. Yeah, made me happy, that one. Now, I'm afraid I'm briefly going to mention the elephant we're desperately trying to avoid. We warned last time that every time there is some sort of international crisis, some scumbag somewhere will try to use people's fear and emotion to, in some way, defraud them. This is mm-hmm. earthquakes, hurricanes, pandemics. It, it, same modus operandi. So we warn people to be on the lookout for COVID-19 related stuff. And I'm afraid to say it has come to pass. Um, in this case, it's some nasty malware has been found in the Android store. When you look at, basically, it was it's been removed now. But it, it yeah. So just 
it's not just hypothetical, it's real, I guess is what I'm saying. So continue to be ever presently vigilant. Yeah, yeah. I saw something on Nextdoor uh, where it was so clear that this person was scamming people. It oh. was just, and, and everybody was saying, yeah, send me the link. No, <laughs> and, no, delete, yeah, delete, said, delete. Nope, 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 nope. This person was claiming to be a, uh, having a source for hand sanitizer but for, and I, I'm quoting here, compliance reasons, I'm not allowed to share the link, but I can, I can send you a video privately. Does that uh, set your hair on fire right there? What do you that think? sets off every little bit of spidey sense going. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Definitely beware of such things. Uh, action alert. Oh, and oddly, oddly, the person had just joined next door in 2020 also, in case there was any oh. doubt left. <laughs> Right, yeah. I've just shown up here in this community. I have this amazing thing you absolutely definitely want, but I can't share it to you for reasons I can't explain. Oh, okay. <laughs> right, so continue to pay attention, folks. Action alerts. If this affects you, you must do something. First on the list is Microsoft. They have issued an out-of-band patch for Windows 10 to patch a wormable vulnerability which has been given the cute name SMB Ghost. It's a problem hmm. in version 3.11 of the server messaging block uh, protocol, which is used for file and print sharing on Windows. It's in the newest version of the protocol, so that's why it's Windows 10 only. And there was a basically quite the kerfuffle with this one. What appears to have happened is that Microsoft had planned to patch it as part of Patch Tuesday, but I think it's because their patch was a bit buggy. They decided at the last minute not to include it in the bundle, but it was in the oh, test no. version that they had given oh, out to no. their partners. And so Symantec didn't get the memo that this thing was not going to happen. And so they published all the details on their website. <gasps> oh, no. Oh, so then Microsoft had no choice but to rush out two days later and release it anyway. But it has been found to be a little bit buggy. Oh, geez. Yeah. Oh, that's bad. Yeah. Um, so just just for people's memory, what, what makes something a worm versus uh, something else? A Trojan okay, horse? So or? A worm. So, okay. So let's start simpler, right? So what's the difference between a virus and ordinary malware? What makes it a virus? A virus is I give it to you and you give it to somebody else. Well, it's, it's okay. So the, the key contagious. thing is spread. Bingo. Contagion. Right. So in the days before we had our computers networked, viruses spread through floppy disks and those kind of things. Now add the internet into the mix. And imagine a ye olde virus that didn't require a sneaker net, that as soon as your machine is infected, it could infect the next one through the network. That's a worm. So a worm is a subset of virus? Yes, it is a virus that propagates through the internet. Therefore... Okay. You do nothing, right? You get infected, and without you doing any more actions, your machine is now off infecting everyone else because you're on the internet. Okay, okay, so you're not taking any active action. This is the worst kind, then. Yes, yes, which is why... it doesn't require someone... you to be stupid. Yeah, so or the, f the first ones careless. were Nimda, Code Red. They were sort of the first examples of worms. Um, and there, we remember those names because they were something so different to what we'd seen before. Okay. Yeah, so basically, 
people go out of their way to avoid, software companies go out of their way to avoid wormable exploits. They they get the highest severity rating and they get patched the most quickly. So the fact that this one is wormable is bad. The fact that it's in Windows file sharing is particularly bad because, well, do you know a lot of Windows computers have at least one shared printer or one shared home directory or something? You know, it's not uncommon, particularly within an organization. So you could imagine that you wouldn't expose this to the internet. But if you then get it, one computer on your network gets infected, well, then it just immediately takes over the whole house slash small office slash large corporation, right? Once you're in, you're in. So they're, right, they're dangerous. Right. Yikes. So patchy, patchy, so patch, patch. do that one. Yeah, patchy, patchy, patch, patch, for sure. Uh, Adobe also patched everything. I mean, the, I could list through the list, but really, Adobe just patched everything. So if you have one of those A icons on one of your apps, patch it. If you're running the Creative Cloud stuff where you're paying the monthly subscription all, do they push out those patches? Uh, ish. They will make it. They will make that little icon in your tray that is the Adobe icon have a red circle. Okay. And but then they, they will offer push- you all the software updates. Oh, look. I should stop using Did you just find some? I, I have bartenders set up to hide that Adobe icon. I probably shouldn't do that. Uh-oh. Has it got a, a badge on it? It has indeed got two. Oh, oh wow. Photoshop needs to be. Oh, no. Ah, okay. Obviously, there is an auto-update feature because it's telling me a badge of two, not because I need to update, but because I was auto-updated a day ago. Oh, that's excellent. Excellent. Oh, I like that. That's nice. Do it. And then, hey, by oh, the way, yeah. I did this for you. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, good. Okay. No, I approve this message. Okay. That's <laughs> I approve this message. Right. Remember the golden old days when we were avoiding talking about politics? Oh, yeah. That's the easy <laughs> stuff now. That's not the third rail. Uh, or else we've invented a fourth rail. I don't know how. <laughs> that's a good description. Okay. So the next one is worthy warnings. These don't apply to nearly as many people, but if they do apply to you, you do need to pay attention. So. The app Whisper, which is described by the Naked Security head, uh, headline as Confessions app Whisper, which is an accurate description, actually, spills almost a billion, with a B, records. They sort of mm-hmm. had this database, which they sort of kind of forgot to put a username in the password on, sitting in Amazon's AWS, and it sort of kind of got known. So, whoopsie-daisies. So, if you're so, a Whisper user, wh- read. So the only kind of information this app would have would be stuff you didn't want anybody to know? That's my understanding. I, I'll be honest, I'm not a user, but as I understand that it, it's very popular and its function in life is basically to be a confessional where you can get stuff off your chest. Oh, that doesn't sound like the kind of thing I want on, in, on a cloud-hosted thing. That's, that's right, kind of thing maybe I, you shouldn't do that anyway, but still. End-to-end geez. encryption with a trusted confidant, I think, is where I want to do that. Right, like in person, six feet away, you could do that, right? Dang. Or, you know, end-to-end encrypted over a trusted protocol or whatever, but not yeah. on some free web app monetized by ads. <laughs> Doesn't seem like but the, but that's sick. just you. Right? That's just me, right? That, that is not something I want with the free P business model. But yeah, there <laughs> exactly. we go. Exactly. Okay. N- notable news, I'm afraid to say, is all on your side of the pond. And it's all cranky-inducing. Well, actually, no, sorry. No, no, it's only half cranky-inducing. I apologize. I take it back. I get to say something nice about Uber in a minute, which (laughs) might be a first. Shows you how weird the world is. Okay. 
So first off, Senator Lindsey Graham, who is the human weather vane himself, um, he was on the wrong side of the encryption debate, then he listened to the CIA, and then he was on the right side of the encryption debate and made a big deal about how he'd seen the light. And we all gave him great praise on this very show for having the courage to learn. Well, he then very dramatically unlearned and has continued then the unlearning route. Um, he is piggybacking off this whole COVID-19 crisis to sneak through an anti-encryption bill where he has very cleverly avoided using the word encryption. And he's also given it what I can only describe as um, a textbook example of the so-called backronym, where you start off with what you want the acronym to be, and then you try find some word salad to fit. So it is the eliminating abusive and rampant and rampant neglect of interactive technologies. Sorry, eliminating abusive and rampant neglect of interactive technology. Hmm. Or earn it. So in other words, if Facebook want to keep their title, whatever it is, safe harbor, they must earn it by breaking into end encryption. <laughs> so you want your safe harbor? Fine. We get to see everything in the port. And safe and safe harbor to remind people is the thing that says that they're uh, they're just carrying data. They aren't responsible for what is being being said. I think that started with newspapers and radio and TV. Uh, No, newspapers. No, not TV. The opposite. Okay. Oh, it's like it's. Right, right, right. Sorry, I got it exactly backwards. Yeah, so yes. the telephone company is not responsible for you making a threatening phone call. Or planning a burglary. Or, right. you know, planning sedition. Or, right. you know, anything nasty you can Boy, do that, over the phone. So that puts Facebook in a really hard position if that, uh, if that, if that were to succeed. But correct. it has not yet, I assume. No, and... Since we're since the third rail is now okay because it's a fourth, I'm not entirely sure a bill stating the sky is blue would pass at the moment. <laughs> I was just going to say the same thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Luckily, the uh, uh, Congress is so deadlocked on everything that even this can't get through. So it's Yay. also not a partisan issue because there are people on both sides on both of the sides. aisle on both sides of this issue. So it's actually very complicated. And most things are pretty What's black a tough and white. Issue? It's it a is tough a tough issue, issue. and it requires. It's not only debatable; it's also, um, you know, of what is right and what is wrong. But it's also technically complex. Yes, and it requires math, Bart, and it's also very um, what's the word important? Like it, it's it has real effect on the world. Like it is a. It's not a made up problem. It's yeah, it's a real problem, and yeah. the issues are real. Freedom of speech is real. As police state is real. The dangers posed by cyber criminals is real. And the danger posed by people being able to do stuff without being observed is real. I mean, it's all real. So that's why it's such a complex issue. But yeah, I don't imagine this is going to pass. But nonetheless, it is being actively worked on. And the not mentioning encryption bit is sneaky, like in a sort of a darn new way. You just mean it's not, in the, it's not in the title. Well, I don't even think Steve Gibson did a fairly detailed piece on it. And my recollection was it's euphemisms all the way down. Oh, really? Oh. Things like um, ability to de- uh, ability to to adhere to a, wa- to a warrant or 
or something like that. Okay. So never say must break encryption. It's like, you know, must be able to provide a transcript on request from a court. And, you know, euphemism, 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 basically. Euphemisms all the way down. I like it. So I get to say something nice about Uber and it's in your neck of the woods. Crazy, uh, crazy time. It is. So Los Angeles has a law which they're trying to enforce, which requires companies like Uber to hand over real time user location data to the city. And that's creepy. And Uber, even Uber, agreed that's creepy. (laughs) If it's creepy enough for Uber to say it's creepy, how creepy is it? And they are suing Los Angeles on behalf of their users to not comply with this. Wow. I wish them well, which I don't often do. So I, that's interesting. What do they uh, do? You, were you able to read anywhere what the purpose of this uh, law is? I'll I mean, be honest, did I, didn't, re- I didn't put the time into. Did they uh, are they requiring this just of Uber or of taxi drivers or of banks? Uh, I'm afraid I can't tell you that. I, I... Let's see. Oh, here it is. Uh, LA Department of Transportation instituted data demands on ride-hailing scooter slash bike-sharing companies. <laughs> so not taxis. Yeah. Mm. Uh, that, that's yeah, that really smells of inappropriate political influence to me. Yeah, yeah, it does it just a little bit. Because we are lawyers as well. Yeah. It's a trap law if ever there was one. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I, I genuinely wish them well in this court case. That's not something I do very often. Yeah, yeah. Um, top tips then. Um, a, a nice little app tip. Because the show notes were so light, I don't normally tip apps. But, you know, hey, the, the notes are light enough as it is. Um, yeah, these and, are extraordinarily light notes. This is, yeah. this is hilarious. Like, we're almost done, guys. Yeah. So Andrew Orr is one of the contributors at TMO. He's a fairly recent arrival in the grand scheme of things. Um, young chap. I really like him actually when he's on their various podcasts. And he often finds cool things. And uh, one of them he has he recently pointed to is an open source extension for the Safari browser on the Mac, which strips out tracking parameters from URLs. Um you might oh. notice yeah, so you notice on a lot of news sites, they end in these funny question mark UTM equals gobbledygook. Which right? we the, learned all about in Programming by Stealth, and I love it when I see it and I understand it. Exactly. Well, those tracking, those a lot of those parameters are basically unique IDs used to track people across the internet. And so this plugin simply looks for the known common tracking parameters like UTM and strips them out. And I think this is wonderful, although there's a spectacular irony here, because one of the websites who uses the UTM question mark blah equals that I have to strip out every time I do show notes, every single time I mention <laughs> the Mac Observer, I have to strip out their UTM tracker. Mm-hmm. But this app will do it for me automatically now. So thanks, Andrew. Oh, that's funny. So I'm confused by something. This okay. uh, The link in the show notes is a link to GitHub, but I yes. thought you could only do extensions from the App Store now. Uh, no, because I installed it on my, I think it was my Kathleen machine. It's basically an app that when you install the app, it, it brings along the plugin and you have to right click open the first time so that you get that allow this software to run pop up. So if you try to just double click it, it will fail to launch. But if you right click open, then you can say, so it's not I agree. signed is what that means, right? Uh, that's usually what that means. 
and you're overriding yes, that, is, that. That is what that means, exactly, yes. So this is but an unsigned application from somebody we don't know that's going to install an extension into Safari. Somebody told us source. not to do that. No, no, I said not to do that willy-nilly. It's, it's open source, you can check the code, and it is being recommended by reputable people. You're right that it should make you, you shouldn't just do it on a whim. But the fact that it's, I can look at the source code on GitHub and that it's being recommended by people I trust makes me comfortable with it. And also on the GitHub, you will find instructions for compiling it yourself so that you don't have to believe that the app and the source code are the same. Because that would be okay. one way to trick people, right? Oh, yeah, look, here's my code. Now download here and it's different code running. So he actually allows you actually get the instructions for how to if you want to be paranoid, you can compile from source yourself. So then you Don't know you. that your app is doing what the source code says because you turn the source code into app. So and I'm, you've done I'm some serious nerding. Right. Uh, so so you're saying that that Andrew Orr recommended it and you trust him and people yes. are listening and they trust you, but you haven't vetted it. And then I'm going to tell people about it because I heard it about from you, but I didn't vet it. And I'm right. some, somebody people trust. And I'm almost positive Safari extensions have to be in the App Store now. I, no, they I, have I mean, to be apps. They, they, they've changed how the APIs work. But this, this works. I'm running it. On Catalina. Uh, I don't know about that, but it's the very latest. It's Safari. What am I? I'm running on Safari 13. Which is the latest mm -hmm. Safari, I believe. Uh. But that doesn't mean. But yeah. the Safari versions are the same across the supported OSs these days. What so. am I? What am I remembering then? Because I remember that a bunch of stuff stopped working because they weren't in the App Store. No, they had to change how. So extensions used to be things that were on their own. Extensions are now provided by apps. So what you download is an app which provides an extension for Safari, and then you have to go into Safari and into a little place where you then have to proactively tick the box to allow the plugin to run. So the mechanisms have changed. Okay. Okay. All right. So you can't have a plugin that doesn't have an app. Hmm. Whereas you used to just be able to have a plugin that existed purely as a plugin that was no app. So now there has to be something in your applications folder that is providing that Safari functionality. Okay. And something okay. you can then go to your applications folder where you can see it and eradicate it. Well, I'm going to stick with what I was told, which was to limit the number of extensions, to limit the number of uh, vulnerabilities, and I'm going to strip that off by hand. As fun as that is, I'm going to do it by hand. That is a perfectly sensible decision. Uh, okay. I just come across so, so, so many of these as I'm preparing my show notes every week. Mm -hmm. I find great value in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It also badges every website so you can see how much you should be cranky at them. Badges them? What do you mean? As in you get a badge on the icon for the plugin that shows you how many how many trackers it's stripped to huff. Ah, okay. So hmm. that's kind of interesting to surf the web and see who's naughty and who's nice. <laughs> it's I find that informative. Anyway, like I say, I don't normally do recommendations, but my show notes were quite empty. Um the other thing I do want to highlight, so I'm, I'm afraid I'm readdressing our elephant briefly, is that the opposite of what we warned about at the start. 
So what if you proactively want safe information about the whole COVID thing? I am happy to say that Apple have put a lot of their walled gardenness, which some people in some contexts find objectionable, but in this context, it seems quite good to me. So they're, they've done three things to make their walled garden be a place where you can get reliable COVID information. So the first thing they have done is they fast tracking the approval of coronavirus apps from reputable sources, from people like the WHO, from medical institutions that are recognized. So from the kind of people you should be oh, okay. listening to, their apps are getting fast tracked. Um. They also updated their podcast app with uh, a bunch of basically highlighted content from trusted sources. So if you want to get your news through podcasts and you want to know which is the wheat and which is the chaff, well, Apple's reviewers have done some filtering for you to help you get a short list of trusted sources. So there's, when you're looking for a new app, you mean they're not forcing these down onto your no, podcast sorry, app? No, sorry, we moved on from the App Store. This is the podcast no, app. No, but I know. I know, oh, but okay. if you're in the, it, you made it sound like they're they're sending you these podcasts. They aren't. They're they're revealing them when you do a search. Uh, well, like, I don't like use the upping them. So I don't know what way they highlight stuff. But you know the way in the various store interfaces they but have the highlighting, not not shoving them at you. The not way you, you said too. it, it sounded like they were actually pushing them to you. But they're just re- making them. They're somehow highlighting these good ones. Yeah, like they do with other stuff, right? You know the way Apple highlights stuff in their various apps. Like if you go into the app store, there's a whole bunch of stuff that they're pushing. Well, if you go into the podcast equivalent, they're put, you know they're providing these. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm guessing yeah. if you search, they'll come up with stories. Like I say, I don't use the podcast app because Overcast is nicer in my opinion. But that's neither here nor there. And then the oh, here it thing- is. I found out how they're doing it. Uh, the link you put in the show notes was to iMore, and they updated the podcast app uh, with a new section called Coronavirus Stay Informed. Oh, that's a very sensible way to do it. Yeah, how are you not though? Jeez, I want I want a button that says can you can you give me a hole to hide in for a while so I don't have to be informed for a few minutes. Well, give me I'm, fifteen minutes break. I'm sort of going on the way that I I want to pick a small number of very reliable sources. So I'm I'm going for the give me everything I need in a Quality, short not quantity. <laughs> Yes, 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 and that way I can ration it. So I have a, I have some time set aside every day, which coincides with sort of the so the Irish government do an official government update once a day every day, and so oh, I check that and I listen to the various podcasts, and that's it. And so that's like an hour of <laughs> and, and then, then you I run away. Then I run away, um, okay. and so that's why I, I actually find it useful to have a list of short, reputable stuff. Right, right. Uh, Yes, and then the third thing Apple have done is they have taught Siri to answer your questions in a factually accurate manner about this topic. Oh, interesting. That's good. Yeah. So I'll have to follow the link and see what we're allowed to ask. Yeah. Or I guess you could just start talking to her and see what she says. (laughs) Right, right. Now. All right. Not security related, but I think it is still very important for lots and lots and lots of us in today's world. I'm working from home. This is not an experience I have ever had before in life. Um, Which is crazy because your job could totally be done from home a lot. Well, ironically, I believe I am more productive from here. Um, I was sort of looking back. I was doing my, my end of week report on what I got up to in the last week. 
And because of St. Patrick's Day, it was a four-day week. And it seemed to me like I got as much done as I normally do in five. <laughs> you know, uh, the, th- the thing to keep in mind, though, is if you are an individual contributor who provides no value to anyone else in the, in the uh, organization, then that metric is real. But mm. by you being able to get so much done means you weren't helping Ooh. as many people as you normally do, which means your multi- your viral multiplicative uh, effect on the organization was reduced. So the overall huh. uh, environment might not have done as well. Bart felt great because he got his stuff done. Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah. Mm. So maybe setting aside, you know, 10 minutes every hour or something to say, hey, anybody want to bug me right now? You got 10 minutes. Okay, you're well, out. Actually- I'm back to work. Well, the thing is, I actually have, I actually was bugged a lot by coworkers oh. using Microsoft Teams, which means I oh, can. Oh, so maybe it. they didn't have as much time to doodle and walk into your office and blah, right. blah, blah, right? Exactly. <laughs> so when I would go to Teams, I would catch up on everyone who needed me for something and I would deal with oh. it at my time when it wasn't interrupting my thought, right? So my flow yeah. was continuous. So I would do some flow, reach a natural, grr, this is broken, or, oh, that was finished, <laughs> and then go to Teams. See who needs me for yeah. stuff, and then do the next bit of flow. So actually, I was still doing both, but on my yeah, terms, maybe. instead of that typical, oh, Bart, have you got a sec? I don't want to yeah. disturb you, but too late. Yeah, I, uh, that's, that's interesting. So they may not have getting, gotten the answer as timely as they would have had you been there, but, but I'm convinced that in voice, we waste a lot of time. <laughs> I do. Oh, yeah. Anyway, oh, yeah. but in text, it's like, oh, I don't want to type that much. Hi, Bart. How are you doing? How was your weekend? Did you bike ride any place good? By the way, I have a question. Right now, they're yeah, just going, you, Bart. <laughs> right, because you can't in real world go straight to your question because then it sounds like you don't value the person. So you feel a need to do the small talk first so that people get the right. impression you like them and you want something. Right? <laughs> get the impression you like them. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. No, that's a social that's contract, right? It's rude to wander straight in with, so Bart, will you? And, and that's something that's gotten uh, one of the ways my, my kids say you can tell old people like me um, is that when you start a text message, if you say hi or bye at the end, right? You, you, if you're used to doing email, you would never just barge right in and say something. You would put the person's name, hope you're well, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. then so they, t- they can tell the oldsters by how polite they are rather than just jumping in and, and getting the point across. And whether you use uppercase letters at the start of sentences and whether you use punctuation would be another, another telltale sign. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, a lot of people are in the same situation as me. So I found two nice sort of tips. Um, I I more have a good one. Best tips for remote work and working from home and tips for Mac users working from home. And oh, nice. I'm going to throw in a bonus tip from me. Um, I am finding that it's really important to keep a clear distinction between I'm working, even though I'm physically home. I am mentally working or I am mentally home. I'm always physically home, but I'm, you know, mentally one or the other. And so I I got this advice from my dad who's worked from home for years, and I think it's great advice. Separate computer, if at all possible, and a separate desk or a separate piece of your desk so that you really can. So I have an L-shaped desk, and one leg of the L is now work, which has my laptop, and the other leg of the L has my iMac. And so now I'm in home mode. And then tomorrow morning at nine o'clock, I'll be on the other side of the L and I'll be in work mode. 
And oh, just you, a way to mentally break the two apart. Mentally break the two apart. And I'm also choosing to dress for work, even though I'm not going to work. And the reason is when I'm wearing a shirt, my darling beloved knows to talk to me as little as needed. And when I'm wearing a t-shirt, my darling beloved knows I'm home. Oh, that's really interesting. I'm going to throw my son Kyle under the bus. He's working from home for the first time. And uh, he uh, took a break to do a FaceTime with us to show us his new baby, which... As you would, is, in fairness. Which is killing me not to go see her. But anyway, um, I, it's like two o'clock in the afternoon and he's in pajamas. And I gave him a hard time for it. And he says, Mom, I got up at 530, I showered, and I got into my work pajamas. Oh, <laughs> What a, what a novel concept I have my... He says, why do I have to be pajamas? uncomfortable? And my work pajamas. That's interesting. I'm foolishly still wearing a shirt. Yeah, what are you thinking? Yeah, I thought that was great. Well, I'm going to give another tip that has nothing to do with do, uh, work. Um, and maybe everybody on earth has heard of this idea by now, but uh, a, a thing that is uh, taking the world by storm is the concept of having cocktails with your friends over FaceTime. And I saw you your screenshot of this and I it made me smile so much. You guys looked like you were having a great time. And I was thinking, darn these time zones. <laughs> and there, there's, there's two things about it. One is, you know, you're getting to talk to your friends and it doesn't have to be FaceTime. But I had actually forgotten that FaceTime does multiple people because remember they came out with it and then there were some bugs in it which yeah. we actually experienced where you could accidentally get somebody else's call and uh, so they shut it down right away i forgot that it came back but my friend diane said we're gonna have wednesday wine it's at 6 30 on wednesday nights and you know what for the whole day beforehand i was excited because i had an event to look forward to which we haven't had right and it's, it's got just this long yeah, yeah, but it's been this long blend of, you know, you're looking into the future yeah. of no change day to day. Every day is going to look the right. same. But all of a sudden we had an event. It was like Wednesday night. I'm excited this Wednesday at at 630. We are going to have drinks together again. And it's awesome. And so simple. And um, my darling beloved is about to test a an app designed to play board games across the Internet with people. Oh, I definitely. Can he do a review of that? His last you know, review that's was That's the first fantastic. thing I said to him. I said, Beloved, if that works out, please review it for Allison. So I, well, I, yeah, I beat because you to it. My daughter, uh, Lindsay, sent a uh, uh, picture of them playing a board game with uh, her brother and sister-in-law. And my first reaction was like, oh, okay, it's probably all right. But why are you people together? You know, I mean, we're, we're keeping it to zero. Uh, yeah. you know, other than the two of us, but, uh, but I was trying to think on my run this morning, would there be a way to like set up your iPhone so that it's one is looking at your board and another iPhone or an iPad showing the players. And then on the other side and you replicate each other's moves, you know, how hard would that be to do? So if there's an app that does it, uh, yeah. Oh, I hope he does it faster than the last one too. He was, he was too perfect last time. He was because he had already like months and months ago, but it's like, but it's not perfect. And I was like, it doesn't matter. Just email it to Allison. <laughs> Yeah, if you actually heard this show, it definitely doesn't have to be perfect. Good enough. But, oh, yeah, so I hope he does, because it was such a good review last time. Yeah, I can't remember which day it is, but it's coming up soon. So, it, like you, it's it's a thing to look forward to now. I keep hearing about it, and I have a board game coming up. Good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, okay. So, like, you know, Tuesday at 3 o'clock, I'm going to play a board game with my friends. That uh, That's fantastic. Yeah. The creativity of people to come up with new solutions and ways to to keep us happy um, I, I did a uh, FaceTime with my mother-in-law, um, who is uh, lives in a retirement facility, mm. and everybody's in lockdown, of course. 
And uh, we were doing FaceTime with her and she's and Kyle and Nikki have been doing FaceTime with the baby with her and my daughter's been doing it. And we did a three way with Lindsay and her son. And anyway, we're all having a great time. And and she said the people she's really worried about is her friends who are single and 70 percent of the people Mm -hmm. in this living facility are living alone. And so those people are really isolated. And she said, but my problem is my best friend is on Android. How do I talk to her? I want to do this. And she had spent, I love my mother-in-law, Merle is like, she's, she's a geek who doesn't know she is, you know, she's ah, really good wonderful. at this. You, you only have to explain stuff to her once and she's all over it, but she doesn't think she's great at it. Uh, but uh, like I showed her landscape mode in FaceTime and she was super excited about it going, oh, look. And she was telling uh, Ken, my father-in-law, look what Allison taught me. Every time I talked to her, I learned something. Anyway, she said, yeah, I did a bunch of research. I was trying to figure out if there's some Google way I could do it with her, and I don't know how. And I tried really hard. So I want to I want to help her find a way to talk from the Mac to an Android phone in video in a way that the other person isn't technical. Yes. That gets tricky, right? Well, I, I guess the answer is going to be one of the apps that doesn't belong to any of the, um, any of the big companies. You could do Skype. You could do Skype. Skype, it's WhatsApp. Own, that's Microsoft in between. Yeah, I don't know if I don't think WhatsApp does video. Yes, it does. She got, it does? Absolutely it does. I know this because that's how myself and my brother videoed this afternoon. Really? Oh, well that's interesting. Because we were supposed to be at my nephew's first birthday party today. It was supposed to be the big get together for the family. So that wah, didn't quite go well. Yeah. Anyway, the, the, he's one, so he's not at the age where it's a disappointment. <laughs> not to him. No, but it got me thinking, if you're a four-year-old and your birthday is cancelled, yeah. that's got to suck. Yep, yep, yep. So, anyway. Uh, anyway, if anybody has any tips for me on how you would communicate from an iPhone or a Mac to somebody on Android who isn't technical and you want to do video and they have to learn it and they're not good at it. <laughs> I'm thinking WhatsApp is probably the easiest bet. Yeah, that means I'm installing an app. Hopefully they could figure that out. But once you have it installed, because it uses phone numbers to connect people, as soon as it's installed, you don't have to add anyone because you already have their numbers. Yeah, but it's a total pain on the Mac. You have to Mm. scan the barcode off the phone app every single time you want to use it. Telegram? Same, Same way, because again, same thing, it uses the phone number, so once it's installed you're going to automatically see, oh, this person is just doing Telegram. Are you telling me Telegram does video? Oh, yeah. Really? 99.99% sure it does. They all do. I see a little telephone, but I don't see a little uh, a little camera. I see uh, a phone. The, if you turn on the phone, doesn't it do video? It's possible I'm wrong, but I was convinced it did. I don't know. I could push the phone, but I think it would call you right now if I did. It would, and we are slightly recording. (laughs) At least we think we are. We hope we are. Um, Actually, just to get us back on topic for a moment, uh, hopefully the (laughs) listeners can help you out, though. Um, Yeah, yeah. uh, The second part of my tip was, right, so if you have the luxury of two computers, it's very straightforward, right? Computer one, personal. Computer two, work. If you don't have that luxury, remember that Mac OS X has a feature called fast user switching. Uh, this allows you to be logged into two different user accounts on your Mac at the same time. So you could have a work account and a personal account. And this is actually often a good thing to do anyway, because you can then have an Apple ID to keep your work stuff in sync that's different from your Apple ID to keep your personal stuff in sync. And 
you can obviously log out and log in to go between accounts, but that's awfully cumbersome. So there's a thing you can enable that's not enabled by default called fast user switching. And basically, you go into system preferences, you go to users and groups, you unclick the padlock if needed, and then you go to login options at the very bottom of the left sidebar. And there's a checkbox, show fast user switching menu as, and then you have a choice of how you should show it, full name or icon. And then next to the clock, it will show you the user that you're currently viewing, and you click on that user to jump to the other one. And it does a cool animation as it twiddles you to the other <laughs> If you have a Touch ID Mac, you can use, you can just press on the Touch ID um, button, which is also ah. the power button, and it switches automatically. And oh, um, nice. oddly, I, I can't see my get my Apple Watch to unlock with both, and a, a couple of things are a little dodgy. But I absolutely use this when I'm working on my Screencast Online video. Uh, yes. The tutorials that I do, I I immediately go over to Screencast Online account, and then uh, Telegram isn't talking to me. iMessage isn't talking to me. I'm not watching Twitter. I can focus and just work. Yeah. And so uh, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of that. I miss all kinds of stuff. I come back. Oh shoot! I forgot to do this thing I was supposed to do because my reminders aren't going off. Um, that's a feature, not a bug. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. That's exactly what it's. And the other about. thing is, you get to keep your workspace. So if you're in the middle of something in in for with your work hat on, you have twenty Safari tabs open because you're trying to figure out something or other, and then it's time for dinner, and then you come back after dinner and say, like, "You know something? I've done enough for today." Well, you can switch to your personal account, and then all of those tabs are waiting for you, completely out of sight, until the next morning. Right, you you're not in danger. That's a good point. That's a that's a really good tip. I, I do know that's a um, something a lot of people struggle with is is how you blur the line or how you don't blur the line between right. work and home when because at the same time you can goof off for an hour in the middle of the day and go for a walk or something or a bike ride yeah. and, and then move that hour later as soon as you start doing that now it's not nine to five what do you you know how do you yeah. decide where those lines are and it seems that home life tends to suffer more than work life. Yeah, because you're paranoid about what if I'm not doing enough. Yep, yep, yep. So I have certainly found having both the physical and the computer distinction is really helping me to to, to mentally do that. And like I say, shirt on, don't annoy me, or don't <laughs> don't disrupt me. You know, with frivolous things like, "Ooh, Picard is this evening." You know, right, right. Because then you and, won't be able to think anything. But I got to hurry up and get this done so I can go watch Picard. Exactly. And then as soon as this T-shirt, it's like, oh, I see your, oh, welcome home, love. You know, it's, it's almost a joke. <laughs> I like it. I like it. That's I, I like that tip of the shirt. That that's really that's a good idea. Or your work pajamas, depending. Oh, my on work pajamas. Yeah, <laughs> I hadn't thought of work pajamas. Although we're doing a lot of video meetings actually to keep ourselves in touch, so I, I do actually need to look presentable. Oh, that's good. That's good. I'm glad we um, had time for that tip. What else you got? Okay, so excellent explainers. Um, the great people over at Cloudflare wrote a long blog post. So this is one to you know make a cup of tea and enjoy. The history of the URL. It is by no means an accident that a URL takes the form scheme colon slash slash domain name, which is dot delimited forward slash file pound sign fragment. That is hmm. absolutely based on gopher and all sorts of prehistory that we have forgotten. It's a uh. really fascinating look at how we got from computers are islands to computers are all connected to each other and we need a way of addressing something that's over there. 
and how that was solidified into the URL when the World Wide Web was invented at CERN by Tim Berners-Lee. Very interesting. Oh, wow. You know and I you will learn did. a lot. Right? So this you learn is, what... This, sorry, this is really, really long, but it's long because it's got lots of pretty pictures, so it's not too yes. intimidating. But I just printed it to PDF, and I'm going to add it to the Books app and ah, see if I can read it there. Because I can't read stuff on the internet. I just can't do it. I I get, you know, Twitter, Squirrel, you know, everything's different. Yeah, I was able to just print to PDF and put it in my delete me folder, and now I have it in a book. And it Excellent. didn't work. It's only two pages long. Oh, well, uh, well, okay. So apps like Reader is what I use for reading all of my online stuff because it gives yeah. it to you plain. And so I... Print the whole thing. Yeah, so I have folders and I, like I have I I tag stuff that I keep in my RSS feed. So I have a tag called to read, which is for long form stuff when I'm in the mood. And then I use either Pocket or Reader to to read it. Usually Pocket mm. actually these days. Well, this one's anyway. going to be hard. But I thought I was being brilliant, and I'm not. <laughs> That's, oh, cool. Safari's, That's cool. Safari's Reader View, maybe. No, but that I'm sitting at my computer or my oh. iPad. And well, there's all yeah. those. I'd have to open yeah, yeah, it in my Screencast you. Online account. <laughs> yeah. For the, okay. There you go. But it, I was actually really impressed by that article. I'd seen it. I'd seen a few people recommend it, and then I actually took the time to read it. And it's really well written. It's playful. It's fun. But it's really it's like you will learn a lot, and you won't feel like you are. And that's <laughs> that's what nice. I like. And I'm going to end. So I, I believe you have a palate cleanser to follow me, but my palate cleanser, you've two, my goodness, yes. you've, you've outdone me. So my palate cleanser is again related to this whole working from home, but Apple Music have playlists, right? So in the office, there is a background home of white noise, and that's fine for concentrating. I was sitting in silence. Oh, silence no. is really distracting, like really distracting. And I didn't have the... <laughs> mental space to decide what to listen to like to proactively curate myself a playlist mm -hmm. and then the guys at iMore just handed it to me on a plate they have a blog post 12 of the best Apple Music playlists for working from home now no one is going to enjoy all 12 of them but everyone is going to find something in those 12 that works for them so in my case these show notes were powered by Unplugged Acoustic Hits ah I wish I could. <clears throat> yeah, I not your thing. The word, really. the word "everyone" might might not quite uh, quite work here. I, I this is something I'm so jealous. I've tried really often to do some acoustic music or maybe maybe uh, orchestral, and I turn it on and I start working. I'm like, oh yeah, this is nice. I love this. And after like eight minutes, I feel like somebody's been lately scratching the same spot on my arm for fifteen minutes. And okay. I just like want it to stop. I need silence. And I, I'm jealous. I, I would really like to be able to do this. This is because uh, it seems really nice for the first eight minutes. Then I want to kill myself. <laughs> okay. If it's the wrong music, it grates on me very quickly too, which is why oh, no, this it's is all. really good. Yeah, no, I know. I've tried I know. everything. So I've tried show um, tunes. I've tried jazz. I've tried, uh, it makes me crazy, but actually, well, not for great. me. For, for Everybody studying. but the, sorry. I was going to say, sorry, we seem to have a lot of lag today, probably because half the internet is on the internet. Mm. <laughs> but no, in my days as a student, it was J.J. Kale got me through so many exams. Is that somebody jazz? Yeah, from like my father's generation. I, I listen to old people music a lot. Um, oh, I like it. Uh, who is it again? 
J.J. Kale. J.J. Kale. I'm going to look that person up. Because I like it for a couple minutes. Good. Anyway, okay, that's so all I got. 98% of the people who do not have uh, music-specific anhedonia, uh, this sounds really cool. Yes, yeah, so hopefully lots of our listeners will get something out of it. Now, what have you got? Because I'm curious now. you got two. All right, so uh, Bart turned us on to a podcast called Darknet Diaries a while ago, and the one I just listened to, the most recent one, is about a hacker named Sammy Kamkar, and it's a it's a terrific story of a guy who wasn't like intentionally a hacker. He didn't try to do anything bad, but he accidentally did because he was like <laughs> stupid smart. Um, I, I and, remember and, and this I, as a news story, by the way. I remember that thing killing. Don't say what he did. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to spoil it. But uh, what I loved was the very beginning of this, the um, the host of the show, and I've forgotten his name. Is it Jack? Jackery? Somebody? Jack, Jack Reesider or something like that. Okay. Yeah. He slurs his name. So I couldn't tell whether his first name ended and his last name started. But anyway, he, he tells a story about, uh, he explains what a hacker is. And he says, he told the story of when he was a little boy, he got a an ant farm as a present and then discovered that the ants didn't come with it. You had to mail order the ants. And his first thought was not, oh, I'll order some ants to put my ant farm. His first thought was, wait, I can mail ants to anybody I want. <laughs> and he said, he said, that illustrates to me what a hacker immediately thinks of the unintended use. Like, how could I use this to do something completely different than what the person intended it to do? It's it's a it's a great story and and the the hacker himself Sammy Kamkar is is just a lovely guy. You just love to listen to his story. And yeah, I mean yes, I don't, yeah, you're right. I don't want to spoil it. Uh, there's lots. And of actually, things Steve could say, recommended it nothing. to me. It's just great. I, you you told me about it about the Darknet Diaries. I told Steve he listened to this one. Said Allison, you got to listen to it. So we got to give Steve a shout out there. The there second go. thing is as recently as. Three or four, at least five years ago, I would tell people I'm a podcaster and they would have a blank look on their face and say, what is that? The Los Angeles Times has declared podcasts an essential service. Huh. So you know how uh, your essential services are like food? (laughs) You know, you can still do those things right now. Well, podcasts are considered part of the media. So I am and you are providing an essential service. How's that? Uh I feel very important all of a sudden. <laughs> well, we should. Um, one of the things Bart hates the most is when I um, ask him a question live on the internet without giving him any time to prepare. Uh-oh, so this I'm... is going to be fun. <laughs> well, you'll either know the answer immediately or this can be a further discussion later. But I have started noticing in Safari websites saying, hey, you're not allowing me to insert thing here they want to do uh you're mm-hmm. not allowing me to track you or whatever but uh and and so in general i think it's because apple's not doing a lot allowing a lot of the fingerprinting and stuff now but i went to sammy um uh sammy Kamkar's uh, website the guy that the darknet diaries article was about and the page says no home page for you please enable javascript and try again hmm. i thought javascript was enabled in my browser because i look at my own javascript of the my web app that's a strange one what's this url uh sammy.pl and at first there was a home page but then it seems to have gone away it had it looked like his his uh computer desktop and after a little while i was away from the the um it says you found easter egg number 20 and then says no no homepage for you. And it, it gives me some text. 
Well, I'm seeing a desktop metaphor here where I'm seeing his latest tweets. I'm seeing a Yeah, that button. was there for a while. And then it changed to sambi.pl slash code slash click into code slash question mark ns equals two. What? Yeah, that sounds like you found a bug. Really? Yeah. I didn't click into code. It happened on its own. But it sounds like something happened that shouldn't have happened because you definitely have JavaScript enabled. Like that is definitely, there's no way you don't have JavaScript enabled. So his website is wrong. Okay. All right. I thought maybe they had put in something I didn't know about, but I was pretty darn sure. <laughs> like I said, since I run my own web app. Yeah, no, no, I, no you're, it you're said, right. It said try again, and it came back, and now it's got the uh, the homepage thing. I wonder if I just let it settle, if it'll happen again. Well, cool. I could tell him I found a bug on his site. That would be awesome. Either Okay, <laughs> so there's one of two things has happened. Either something about his thing has set off intelligent tracking protection and therefore Safari did let you run script and then Safari got suspicious because this is a very weird website. Um, and then Safari temporarily stepped in with its AI and was like, ooh, this is dodgy, let's cut that off. Mm. And then by you proactively refreshing it, right, Safari takes the hint, right? That's uh, one of the features of Apple's various tracking preventions is when you do a proactive action, it that is weighted really important in its algorithms. Oh, interesting. So what you could be doing is stumbling into edge cases of intelligent tracking prevention. Hmm. Right. And again, Apple don't tell us exactly what they do. So it's not like I can tell you, well, the algorithm says blah, 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 and his script did blah, 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 and therefore it happened because tomorrow the code okay. will be different, right? Because that's, that's how this cat and mouse game works. Right, right. But I do know they proactively look for weirdness, and that is a very weird website. Yeah, yeah. Well, and this guy is a hacker, so he's probably doing all kinds. He's probably on the conversation right now, this guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, well, we managed to stretch this out and have some fun. That was nice to uh, have a relaxing time and not be rushing through for once, right? Right, because last week we pre-recorded what people have just heard as Chit chat as uh, the the next uh, programming by stealth because I was going to my my nephew's birthday party. So now we had time. Well, good. Yeah, so, I yeah. had fun. Well, excellent. As did I. Even though we had to mention the c word, it wasn't in a bad, scary way. It was <laughs> positive and proactive. There you go. All right, Bart. Well, we'll see you another another couple of weeks. Be curious what else you learn about uh, working from home. If you have more tips or thoughts on it, of uh, ways you make it work or how it makes you crazy, I'll be curious. I will definitely follow up uh, because I have no choice. So why not? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, anyway, until then, uh, presumably in probably in two weeks, uh, stay patched, stay secure and stay safe. Well, remember in the middle of this where uh, Bart and I were talking about all of the bugs in iOS 13 and and Catalina, and I said that my iPad never shows up in portrait mode. It's only only upside down, and his comes up in portrait mode. I just sent him a photo. My iPad just woke up in portrait mode right after I finished recording with him. So I'm like with all the cool kids. Bart says we're bug buddies now. 
Well, this is going to wind us up for this week. Don't forget to send in your dumb questions, comments, and suggestions by emailing me at allison at podfeed.com. You know, if you've got a bunch of time on your hands uh, because you're locked up and you got nothing else to do, consider making a re- review for the podcast. I guarantee I'm going to need help after the CES gravy train is over and when I'm playing with my new granddaughter and helping out Lindsay and Nolan and hanging out with Forbes. So if you uh, have a, a decent microphone and an idea of something tech geeky, go ahead and give us a recording. And you can also send that to allison at podfeet.com. You can follow me on Twitter at podfeet. Remember, everything good starts with podfeet.com. Do not go to podfeet.com slash Patreon unless you can afford it or podfeet.com slash PayPal. If you can afford it, go ahead. I'm not going to stop you or anything, but if uh, you're in tough times, do not go to those links. If you want to chat with the uh, the other Nocilla Castaways, you can go to Facebook at podfeet.com slash Facebook or Slack, which is actually hopping quite a bit more than Facebook these days at podfeet.com slash Slack. And if you want to join in the fun of the live show, head on over to podfeet.com slash live on Sunday nights at 5 p.m. Pacific time and join the friendly and enthusiastic Nocilla Castaways like Jason did for the first time. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.